All right, what's up, everybody? No intro for this one. We're back. We took a couple weeks off. We're back to talk about so much news. We got Marvel news. We got Star Wars news. We got thoughts on the movie The Eternals, uh, which I will remind everyone was, quote, unquote, the greatest script anyone has ever read in the history of the entire world. (laughs) This movie was going to change everything. Uh, Just keep that in mind as we go through the episode. Uh, Let's just jump right into it. It is the Infinity Watch Podcast. Nice and throaty at the end there. Oh, yeah. That's really getting into it. (laughs) Oh, man. Welcome back to the Infinity Watch podcast. My name is Tommy. I'm here with my lovely co-host, Eric, and we are back on the saddle, so to speak. Oh, yeah. You know, they. I feel like a lot of people say back in the saddle, but back on the saddle makes so much more sense. Are you you really going in the saddle? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, "Am I saying that right?" Back on the saddle. I ne- why do whenever I'm podcasting, I just start saying shit that I've never said <laughs> once in my entire existence. Yeah, you. the The goal is we got to make people think that our vocabularies are like way more robust than they actually yeah. are. Oh my god! And I don't even know where it comes from. <laughs> I'm not trying to sound any. I'm just like I'm just. My brain is like, what do you say here? Back on the saddle, Tom. Let's do that. <laughs> what a bunch of bullshit, man. I love it. All right, it is November. We are mm. season two, episode thirty-seven. Holy shit! It just even to this day, I'm still astonished in the difference between last year and this year. Um, when it comes to Marvel stuff, it's just wild. Yeah. Um, but thankfully we're here to discuss the most ambitious, the most <laughs> universally different MCU movie you could ever imagine, the scale of which we've never seen before. So I'm really looking forward to talking about that. <laughs> um, but before we do that, I think we got so much shit to talk about. Yeah. So let's just jump into the news. I'm going to be bouncing all over the place um, since we took a little break here between our last episode. And obviously, we have Eternals uh, just came out um, next week. For those that didn't see Shang-Chi in theaters, that'll be out on Disney Plus on Friday. Um, And then we're going to jump right into Hawkeye uh, at the end of this month. And in the middle of that, we're going to have Spider-Man No Way Home, hopefully, um and finish out Hawkeye through the end of the year. So it's going to be a pretty busy end of the year for us. Oh, yeah. Looking forward to it. But let's jump into the news. There's a lot of rumors uh, swirling around that there is a possible revival of the X-Men animated series oh. in the works at Marvel Studios. Um, And so there's, there's some apparently people that scoop news are on podcasts now as guests. I, I don't understand this whole industry. I just really don't. They're like, Scooper, blah, 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 made an appearance on this podcast. Basically, there's rumors that an animated X-Men project is at the works, or is in the works at Disney Studio. I can't fucking talk. Marvel Studios for Disney+. Plus. <laughs> um, but 
it's not clear if it's something brand new or if they're retooling something. Um, but the talk was revolved around a lot of people that were involved with the original theme song for that show. Um, mm. And so that that's what many people were led to believe it was the 90s classic animated series, uh, which did have a sweet theme song. I, like, I can still kind of remember it in my head a tiny bit, which is usually pretty good for something I haven't seen in 20 years. Yeah, um, definitely very, very iconic theme song. And I and just uh, very beloved series. I I don't know how much faith I have in Marvel's current animation department. Um, yeah, it's a little bit back and forth, wishy washy. Yeah, but uh, but we'll see. I guess. I mean, that would be cool. I would not be mad at that returning. I question the strategy of basically doing a reboot of the 90s series. I feel like just do a new one and make it inspired by that series. Um, I mean, how disappointed are you that we haven't really seen any indication of X-Men related MCU content yet? I'm pretty disappointed. I feel like, like it's pretty high, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they got to get this going sooner or later. And I feel like that is just going to be just another avalanche of content. Because as we've said before on this show, it's like the X-Men, the the X-Men part of the Marvel Universe is as large as the entire rest of the Marvel Universe combined, it seems like. Oh, um, yeah, for sure. Like you could easily only read X-Men comics and have more comics than you're able to read every week. Uh, I bought an X Men comic book, and then I started reading through it, and I was I returned it because I I was like I can't get this invested in anything. There's just too much. It's crazy. There was just the briefest time where I just was really into to X Men, and I was reading like five different X Men ongoing books, and I was like, this is I can't. It's too much. <laughs> it's just too much. I don't have the time for this <laughs> yeah, right now. Yeah. But I am a, I'm a big fan, so I, I hope it's good. I, I would like to see that. Yeah, it'd be a lot easier to watch a bunch of sweet X-Men movies slash TV shows. Yeah. No problemo there. Um, all right, so there have been some rumors and talk about a Werewolf by Night Disney Plus series <laughs> happening. Yeah. It has now been uh, confirmed, so to speak. I don't know if you want to say confirmed, but it's according to the rap. Uh, which is usually a little bit more on the uh, on the news than some other websites. Yeah, like yeah. Nerdy. Um, that there's <laughs> going to be a Disney Plus Halloween special called Werewolf by Night, starring Gail Garcia Bernal as the lead role uh, as the werewolf in that series. And so I don't really know what this guy's from. He has he's won a Golden Globe before. Oh, okay. For something. Um, but apparently it's going to be a Halloween special, uh, set to begin production early next year. Um, and so that should be interesting. I think technically Moon Knight, um, Moon Knight appears in Werewolf, uh, by night in, in his first issue, actually. Interesting. Yeah, I don't, I think we've talked about this. I don't know anything at all about this character. I've never heard of the actor you just named. Uh, yeah, I haven't either, <laughs> but I mean, sure, I guess. 
Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I guess Moon Knight appeared first in the comics in Werewolf by Night, uh, number thirty-two. So oh, I would, wow. I would assume that he would show up in this series at least briefly um, in this special. Due to that, so yeah, we'll see. Just some more supernatural shit going on. You know, I, I feel like they're definitely diversifying the the Marvel shit. So yeah. Um, I couldn't believe this. Okay. Why the Last Man? Yeah. Um, started watching that because it's a great comic. Uh, watched the first few episodes. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, this seems like well made. Mm-hmm. It has been canceled. Yep. By FX Hulu, just seven episodes into its 10 <laughs> episode first season. So, apparently, had nothing to do with viewership at all. Oh, it didn't. According to THR, it came down to the executives at FX not wanting to pay out a bunch of money to keep the cast on board after all their options expired. And so all these changes and delays with the showrunner and all these delays with the actors and how long it took to make the show, I guess the options to like keep people on were costing too much. And they were just like, you know what? Just fuck this shit. We're done. <laughs> no so. way. So That's, unfortunately for any fans of that, you know, you're not getting anything else. Yeah, I was I was one of them. That's uh that's so unfortunate. I thought I I thought I saw they're going to try to sell it to a different network, but like we'll see. Yeah, we'll see if that happens. There's yeah. always like a big huge fan call out like save blah 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 and then they make websites and then they try to sign petitions and you know, one time out of 10 it works. Yeah. Who knows? But I was just shocked. It's like they took like a decade to make this show. We've been talking about this show for so long. Yeah. Then they finally made it. And it's just. And, okay. And they finally made it. And it seems pretty good to me. Yeah, like, it's not it, bad. Yeah. It's not bad for sure. Um, And so, yeah, apparently the showrunner is committed to finding a new home for the show. And they're trying to talk to HBO Max. Well, that'd be a good uh, one. I was thinking I mean, Amazon. I mean, yeah, they're making shows for fucking everything now. Yeah. Every single, like, Batman character apparently is going to have their own <laughs> HBO show. You know, the Dune, they're making HBO show spinoffs of that. And I'm just. Are they really? Yeah, they're making one off uh, based off the Benny Jesserit. Oh, that's that's pretty sick. I'll for sure watch that. And so I I just hope it's good. You know, I mean, there's a lot of content there to talk about. Yeah. I'm just worried. Like, they're like, we're making a penguin show. And I'm like, can we just like make a good movie first? Yeah. Well, I'm sure it's great. Yeah. You know, I just I'm just worried. Like. Anytime people start like expanding a little bit too quickly, I just get really apprehensive. Yeah, I have faith in the Batman stuff, though. I feel like that movie looks like it's going to be amazing, and Colin Farrell looks amazing. I think I'm just, I, I've determined as a person, at my core, I'm anti spinoff. Because <laughs> I feel like just enjoy the good, like, enjoy the thing for what it is. You don't need more. It just feels very like, uh, hyper consumer kind of like reaction like people love this let's make another one and the thing is always worse it's very rarely better or at the same level very rarely yeah but i would say i see what you're saying but i guess my argument would be the times that it's not worse it's like what are we losing by putting out all of these mediocre things to get the few gems like better call saul yeah to me is better than breaking bad 
Like that shit, I love. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I love, and I love Breaking Bad. Like it's not like I don't like Breaking Bad. But man, Better Call Saul is so good. Yeah. So when they do it right, it's great. I just feel like it's very uncommon. Yeah. But yeah. At my core, anti spinoff. So I would I say I like the series Loki better than any of the Thor movies. Yeah. I yeah. I don't know if that uh, would except for Ragnarok maybe spin offish. I don't know if it's really a. It's kind of Marvel's kind of its own thing with this. Yeah, <laughs> I would say like it's like I wouldn't even call Loki a spin off. I would say like the Agatha Harkness is definitely yeah a spin-off yeah 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 for sure for sure. Um, but yeah, I totally get what you're saying. It, it makes sense. Yeah. Um, hey Eric, yeah, this is complete. This is a non sequitur to anything we're talking about. Totally not connected. Okay, but did you hear that they were they're releasing? New 4K releases of Spider-Man and the Amazing Spider-Man movies just <gasps> in time for the holiday season. Nothing happening around the wow. holiday season. Well, that is a gigantic mystery why they would choose to be doing that at this point in time. I don't know what you mean. I just, you know, it's uh, people want to buy them for Christmas because Spider-Man is, you know, there's nothing going on no. in the Spider-Man world right now. And so... <laughs> If you want to pick those up, uh, <laughs> they go on sale. Uh, I think in the next week or so, you can pick up Spider-Man and the Amazing Spider-Man movies all on 4K um, right before the holiday season. <laughs> but completely unrelated to that, Spider-Man star Tom Holland says, I honestly don't know if I'll return it's the first time since I got cast as ah. Spider-Man that I don't have a contract okay. after this movie. So, uh, who knows? This may be our last one, Spider-Man No Way Home. Yeah, that's so cute. That's so cute. That's, uh... This might unfor- this might be the last MCU Sp- Tom Holland Spider-Man movie, which makes me sad. But, uh... There's a, there's a Kevin Feige quote about that. Let's see, Spider-Man. I need to find it. You just reminded me. Cause I'm I was really confused. Um I was really confused about that. Cause there's been a lot of rumors that this could be the last Marvel one. Um so this is what Kevin Feige said in the latest issue of Empire. Um he were this is Kevin Feige, our Lord and Savior, talking about Marvel and Sony's uh situation years ago he says i was mentally preparing to emotionally separate from it i didn't love it but it is what it is and then thankfully it came back together and then they it says there's a line in between says as for the future for what the future holds for spider-man himself that might not be clear to fans but feige added i don't anticipate us going through that emotional roller coaster or putting fans through that emotional roller coaster again Hmm. So that either means they have a deal lined up or it'll never happen ever again. Yeah, right. (laughs) But I also, for some reason, like, don't feel like he would say that if they're just like, yeah, we're done with Sony. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. It really leans towards me thinking that they're like, hey, let's make money. But uh, who who the fuck knows, you know? Uh, Because... In this world of universes, we just got a new trailer for Morbius, oh. my highly ante- uh, most highly anticipated film of the decade. Yeah. Um, 
Do you need a doctor? I am a doctor. (laughs) I am a doctor. I will say some of the CGI looked really good. Yeah, some some of the the CGI looked really bad. It just felt very all over the place. Yeah, sometimes, but some of it looked really cool. I probably won't see this movie, but um, Vulture is in it. Yeah, Michael Keaton's Vulture is in it. So. Who the fuck knows what universe, what timeline we're in? It seems like Sony's just like, hey, we don't care. Yeah, it's, yeah. Let's just have fun, you know? <laughs> yeah, it is absolutely hilarious how badly this trailer was trying to beat people over the head with the fact that this, don't forget, this is the Spider-Man universe. I mean, the music, the score sounded so much like the Spider-Man score. That The vultures in it, uh, Spider-Man poster on the wall. That uh, I'm Venom joke, I guess you could call it a joke. But it's really it's a really bad sign that they're releasing this movie January 28th of next year. Yeah, it's like that's when movies go to die. Yeah. Like, yeah, it doesn't seem so like right. The first line in that movie in that trailer, for the most part, is that are you a doctor? I am a doctor. And immediately I was like, I, fuck this. I hate everything about this. That's the dumbest, corniest line you could ever start a trailer with. Why would you do that? I hated it. And then as it went through, I was like, okay, I can get behind some of this action stuff. Um, that's, uh, that looked, it almost reminded me, maybe not surprisingly, a little bit of like Blade, which then I thought, that's the crossover I want to see. I want Blade to kill this uh, character. And then um, I think the thing that took me out of it was just like Jared Leto just did not seem like he was doing a good job. I wonder, let's see, Jared Leto. How much did Jared Leto get paid Morbius? Let's see. Um, I don't know if it'll tell me here. What? Okay. What are the t- the taglines from this from the studio says one of Marvel's most compelling and conflicting characters comes to the big screen. Oh my god. What? There's hundreds of characters more compelling <laughs> and conflicted than Morbius. Michael Morbius. Oh man. Oh my gosh. Unreal. Were Morbius, you Morbius the living vampire? Were you surprised by the vulture inclusion or were you like, yeah, that I that makes sense. I'm more surprised that Michael Keaton agreed to it than anything. You think I so? Know. I feel like he's kind of down for whatever. Yeah, it does seem like he's been really like just like, hey, let's do everything. Yeah. He's having his resurgence moment yeah. for the last several years. Seems like he's loving um, it. I don't know. It's, the whole Morbius thing is ridiculous to me. Um, and... Yeah, at this point, it seems like I I would bet if I had to bet my money, I would say Venom showing up in in the next Spider Man movie. Um, like you mean No Way Home? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think even yeah, so if it's like, just the yeah. post credit scene or something, he's in it for sure. I, I feel like our Lord and Savior Kevin Feige made a deal with the devil because he had no other choice. Yep, and uh, it's just it's just all happening now, and so I. <laughs> Not to uh, not to jump on the lead before we talk about it, but you know, there's some more competition for the most boring MCU movie at this point. So <laughs> maybe it uh, maybe it has good company now. Oh boy! So 
All right, let's move on. <laughs> uh, Spider-Man No Way Home. This is my last thing on this one. It's now confirmed by Empire that two more villains from previous movies will be in it. Um, we had previously gotten confirmation of Alfred Molina's Dr. Octopus and Jamie Foxx's Electro, uh, with Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin obviously being basically as good as confirmed after the teaser trailer. Um, but there had just been rumors for the rest of the people after that. But uh, according to Empire Magazine, um, Thomas Hayden Church's Sandman and Reese Ethan's Lizard will also appear. So that makes five. Five people. Typically, Spider-Man fights a Sinister Six, though. My money's on Venom. Yeah, yeah, potentially. Um, Could be someone else, and maybe he doesn't. He kind of turns kind of good because he's anti-hero-ish. I don't know, but I just feel like Venom's in this movie at this point. Yeah, I think I think so too. I think just so all, too. All signs for better or for worse. Yeah, I mean that after credit scene. There's no way it doesn't make any sense to have that after credit scene, and then he doesn't show up somewhere. Yeah, I wonder if the MCU design of Venom will be drastically different and perhaps better. I feel like the CGI for Venom's not super bad. Um, the voice, I mean, there's nothing you can do about that. It's Tom Hardy, um, but yeah, I mean, maybe you never know. You never know. True. Did you see this fucking Lightyear trailer? <laughs> yeah. This Buzz Lightyear yeah, trailer. <laughs> what the fuck are they doing with this movie, man? I don't know. I guess Buzz Lightyear needs an origin story. <laughs> Does I mean, this like, fall they... into your fuck spinoffs? Kind of? Yeah. Well, I mean, like, there was already a Buzz Lightyear animated movie. There was already a Buzz Lightyear animated TV show that went on for years. Um, and apparently this is just supposed to be the real Buzz Lightyear that inspired the toy Buzz Lightyear and a completely different dude. Um, and it's just, I don't know. The, the, the director of the movie was like, Chris Evans was the only choice. There was never going to be anyone else. He was the guy and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, really? Because like, if he said no, you would have gotten someone else. Yeah. Yeah. Like, can we just like, why did I, we're creative people, but, but like, why does so many creative people talk like this? I just don't, I don't understand. <laughs> Honestly, uh, because uh, much like myself, I feel like maybe creative people are prone to hyperbole. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm guilty of that for sure. Yeah. For sure. But I just, uh, let's see. <laughs> It's just reading some of the quotes. There's this huge article of quotes from the from the director, and I can't find which one seems the most ridiculous. <laughs> Lightyear really is a story that's very personal. I really want it to be something that's enjoyable and fun, and it would just stay with you. It would be something that you would go and see again. That sense in movies like when we were kids, Lightyear is a love letter to the process and a love letter to movies. Like, what? <laughs> Every fucking movie is a love letter to movies. That's why you're making a movie. That's why. The director goes on to explain that when he delved into the Toy Story movies, he came to the conclusion that Buzz, quote, has a disagreement over the nature of reality, and that was a bedrock for something we knew we needed to pay off. I don't know. Who I watches don't think Toy it was. Story and gets that shit? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't it's think. It's a story about toys talking. I don't think that needed any payoff. I think it was fine where it was. 
fun. Oh my god. I just Oh my god. But but that being said, I mean I the whole concept of this is dumb. But I mean the movie looks fine. It'll probably be good. Yeah. It's Pixar. I mean the animation looked amazing. Yeah. So I don't know. <laughs> so weird. Very, <sighs> very fucking weird. I just do love because I feel like there had been like posters, like fan made posters of like a realistic Buzz Lightyear for years. Yeah. And I just love when you try to take something that's like very basic and cheesy and then just like turn up that that really gritty realistic knob as much as you can. Yep. It's just always just a very interesting thing. So <laughs> um I thought this was interesting. So there's been a lot of uh there's been a lot of news articles that have been coming out of this new book uh, that I got and I ordered it four years ago or something and finally came in the mail after being delayed. It's the story of Marvel Studios. And so people have been reading through this book and basically making news articles out of it because uh, that's what we do as a society. And for a long time, uh, Marvel Studios was technically under the chain of command of Ike Perlmutter, Mm -hmm. who is the head of Marvel uh, Comics, essentially. And there was a huge falling out and it basically resulted in our Lord and savior, Kevin Feige talking to then Disney president and CEO. Um, I had his name in my head in, it just dropped right out. Bob something. Bob Iger. Thank you. Bob Iger. And it was like, listen, I either report directly to you and not this stupid shit stick or I leave. (laughs) And so, uh, so he moved him. Um, And so one of the things that, that was in place when, Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios reported under Ike Perlmutter is there was this Marvel creative committee and they would basically help provide notes and direction on where these movies needed to go. Um, And it included a lot of comic book writers like Brian Michael Bendis, Joe Quesada, Dan Buckley, and they would basically interfere with the Marvel Studios plans and try to change where the stories would go based on what they thought would work. Um, And it really kind of caused a lot of problems. Um, Ike Perlmutter actually wanted to fire Robert Downey Jr. because he thought he was too expensive. Uh, I and that was that. What, what really led to them splitting up Marvel Studios from, from uh, Marvel's control at all. So all that to be said, this is a story about Captain America Civil War and basically the now defunct Marvel Creative Committee tried to stop the Captain America Iron Man battle in civil war which to me is asinine this is what this is what some of the writers and directors said he said we had to do a draft where they had a fight in a submarine base with five super soldiers uh this is according to the co-writer stephen mcfeely my favorite writer uh (laughs) because of his last name uh And director Joe Russo added, we kept saying, there's nothing interesting about that film. We're not here to make that movie. We're not interested in telling another superhero story. Meaning the whole point of Civil Wars was to not have this big bad add up at the end where the two good guys are like, fine, we'll join forces and fight the bad guys. You know, it was about these two people fighting. Um, And so (laughs) Joe Russo adds, Civil War started a civil war in Marvel. But when we drew the line in the sand, it became a moment where that company was either going to slowly bend back toward where it came from, or it's going to slowly start to bend towards new territory. And so it seems like that was kind of where the shit hit the fan, uh, because Marvel had to pay a lot of money to get Robert Downey Jr. to be in that film. Um, but I think, 
I think they made the right decision there because yeah. that would have been really boring if they just had them fight a bunch of super soldiers. Yeah, big time. Yeah, Kevin Feige is like he's one of the the very very few Hollywood producers that fucking gets it. Like he gets what people actually want to see. Yes, I don't understand 100%. how no one else does, but he just so consistently does. Yeah, it is like, you know, I I was constantly and I still am constantly like like trying to prepare myself to be let down by Kevin Feige in some way. Um, but like he's he's been so consistently great in like how he perceives things and and how he handles things. I'm just like, man, this guy's got balls of steel. Just Yeah. Can you imagine like being a successful movie producer and being like, "Hey, I'm quitting if you don't do this." And you say it to the most powerful entertainment executive in the world. Yeah. Like, holy shit. Insane. Amazing. But all right. Uh, a few more items from me. It's a busy, busy news recap oh, yeah. for us this week. Um, had a interview here talking to Games Radar with Jonathan Majors, who played He Who Remains in Loki. Uh, one of my favorite character moments of, of this year for sure. Um, and he dropped a few hints on what fans can expect from Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. He said, quote, I felt pretty loose and free on the Loki set. The MCU and all the powers that be are just so open-hearted. The character is different in Ant-Man, so you move a different way. My psychology has shifted because of the character. He's just a different guy. He who remains is not in Ant-Man. It's Kang. But the people surrounding us, the cast, my leading man, Paul Rudd, that's different because Paul's not Tom Hiddleston. This is a movie, not a TV show. I've been here since the beginning, and I came in at the end of Loki. And so it'll be interesting to see how he plays these two characters different. Um, I really liked, I liked his whole monologue and how he acted as he who remains in Loki. Um, it was not what I expected, but I just really enjoyed it. And so I think, I think he'll be a good actor for kind of all these different versions of Kang that we'll see throughout time. Yeah, I am super stoked and I, I hope that movie's really good. So people go see it. <laughs> yeah, it is like kind of wild. Just every, I, I still am kind of scratching my head on how they're going to tie all this stuff together. Yeah. Um, but I like just like we were just saying, should probably have faith in our Lord and Savior Kevin Feige. True. Despite Eternals, but uh, <clears throat> let's uh, let's move on to Black Panther. So I read this article and it made me think about something. Um, the Hollywood Reporter has revealed that Black Panther: Wakanda Forever is temporarily shutting down due to star Letitia Wright's onset injury that she suffered back in August. Mm. Apparently, she was in Boston involved in a stunt rig, um, and at the time, Marvel Studios said it wouldn't have any impact on production. So she's been recovering in London since September from injuries sustained on the set of Black Panther 2. They're looking forward to returning to work in early 2022. Um, And so... um, don't know what's going on there exactly how much delay it'll have, but I think that movie's already been delayed anyways. So um assuming that's, that's to do with that. However, I was like, maybe, I don't know what role she has. I don't know if she's, you know, obviously kind of the lead in this film. However, Black Panther Wakanda forever was pushed back to November 11th of next year. And moderators on Reddit shared some verified information uh, that includes some interesting details about the sequel. 
Apparently, Okoye will don the Black Panther suit at some point. Mm, that makes sense. But she she isn't T'Challa's full-time replacement. Okay. Um, this is spoilers for Eternals. Spoilers. Elsewhere in the leak, it's noted that the conclusion of Eternals, which has something to do with the ocean, is what aggravates Namor the Submariner to bring the Atlanteans to the surface. And they will be the villains of the film. So we will see. Apparently it's been pointed out several times that Dwayne, the rock Johnson, uh, they're filming black Adam in the studio next door. Oh, and he's visited the set multiple times. So it's not confirmed whether he'll have any cameo or anything in the MCU, but he has been on set several times. Oh man. I would not be shocked if he, if he did a cameo at the very least, that'd be pretty sweet. Yeah, it would be all for it so it'll be really interesting i have a feeling that there's gonna be a lot of black panthers in this movie i feel like everyone's gonna kind of don the black panther armor at some point yeah um i feel like that's probably fine but i do feel like letitia wright should be the next one despite the fact that i strongly disagree with her personally as a human being i think that uh I think that, uh, I mean, she's a great actress and I, her, her, it just makes, to me, it makes the most sense for her character to be, she would just be like the tech Black Panther instead of like the, you know, the the badass Black Panther that T'Challa was, which I think is fine because we, Iron Man is gone anyways. So it's like, he's like the big tech hero. Black Panther can be the new big tech hero. They he, They kind of already are. I mean, it seems like interesting with with Ironheart coming out. Yeah, it'll be interesting because they'll they'll definitely have a lot to relate. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm I think they have. They could easily make it really good and like I I hope they don't stumble. I I think they uh, I hope they don't stumble over the fact that they are like. I don't know how. I think they should have just cast Don Cheadle as Black Panther. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just walk in and be sure. like, listen, it's me. Let's move on. Come on. Yeah. You know, and then just start the movie. Yeah. Like, I think I, I think what I'm trying to say is, like, it's definitely going to be a tricky line to walk where, like, showing tribute to Chadwick Boseman while also moving the story forward. But I, I just, I hope they get that balance right. I think, I have faith that they will. But I, I really hope they do because it, it could still be, despite the loss of, of Chadwick, it could still be a, a, a really great movie and be another uh, really great cultural moment. That movie is going to make bank, right? I like, I think it depends on how the trailer is, is received. If the trailer's like, oh, God, then I could see it absolutely flocking. But if the trailer's like, yep, they they are doing it right, then yeah, I think it it's gonna make absolute bank. So you know, there's some old ass white executives somewhere in a room that have absolutely no empathy whatsoever, and they're like, "He's dead. This is a gravy train on this one." Like, yeah, look at oh. what happened with the Fast and the Furious. People love watching a movie oh, that pays yeah. tribute to a dead guy. Shit, I yeah. Yeah, I I hope I hope it's uh I hope it's not like 
soulless in any way like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure it'll be great. Ryan Coogler is a great, a great director. Yeah, I think he'll keep he's... the he'll keep the reins on it. I will say, I think I'm still team recast, but I understand why they didn't. Yeah, but, uh, I just I always struggle when like. You know, actors are actors, and the actors themselves are not the characters. And so I just, I think I just yeah. very selfishly wanted more T'Challa because I love T'Challa. I just think he's so good. Um, but I think it'll it'll still be really interesting, and it'll definitely go in a different direction than they were planning. But uh, I think it'll be good. Yeah. So we'll see. I'm very interested to see how that comes out. That's a year from now. It's supposed to come out. Yeah. It's wild. I do feel like, like in general, I agree with what you just said. It's just like actors are actors, and they're just characters. But like. The MCU does feel different. It's like, it would be yeah. so, like, if and when they ever reboot the whole thing and cast a different Iron Man, how how could they do that as long as Robert Downey Jr. is uh, is alive? Like, I really just, I think it's just, I feel like we hold on to it too much. I, I think once you do it, um, like, you can you can immerse yourself in the film and then like you can think about each one as different like obviously one will have like robert downey jr is hard because like you know it's so iconic but i think even if you had a new iron man you'd be like yeah like robert downey jr is better when you're analyzing it but like when you're watching the movie he like whoever it is just becomes tony stark yeah for sure and there's some things that they'll take different there's some things that they'll do the same um but i think just with my love for james bond and stuff like that you know it's like all those characters to me, like there's six actors that play James Bond and each one of them I see as James Bond, but they're all like different James Bonds, but they're all still James Bond. Um, and so it's like, there's different things I appreciate about how different characters like, or different actors approach that. Whereas like, you know, I guess in the MCU, who have we had Bruce Banner, uh, Rhodey, who else is big? That's been kind of recast, but I um, t- to play devil's advocate, both of those. You know. Yeah. Both of those are kind of smaller characters and they happened very early. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and to kind of, so I definitely see what you're saying with James Bond, but it's, it's, I just feel like it's different with Marvel because it's a universe. And so it's like, if you recast one character, then it's like, the other characters have been interacting with the other version of this character, which again, I guess in James Bond in the more recent movies, that does happen as well with uh, what's Dame Judi Dench is like in, in with a couple of the James Bond actors. Right. But, mm-hmm. uh, yep. but I don't know. It just feels different. It, is, it feels different. It is interesting. Yeah. Because I mean, like there's, there's basically, I won't go too much into James Bond, but there's one actor that plays James Bond. He gets married to a woman and then she gets murdered in the next movie. A different actor, Sean Connery is uh, like avenging his wife's death. And then (laughs) after that, like two movies later, a different actor is visiting his wife's grave. And so it's like, it's weird. That is super weird. (laughs) It's weird. All these different dudes, but like, you're just kind of like, you just, you're like, all right, you know, yeah, same dude, different guy, you know? And the funny thing is that all three of those different actors, tonally, their movies are very yeah, different. Yeah, yeah. Too. And so, like, you have the same storyline going through. Three different actors, three different tones, but it's still the same story. It's James Bond is its its own unique beast when it comes to that, yeah. though, too, for sure. Um, but I will say, hey, you know, the biggest recast of MCU, Fandral, one of the Warriors 3, <laughs> takes me out of the movie every single time. True. Oh, Zachary oh, Levi is not my fandrel. It's not. Yep. Jeez. 
I don't even know what the name of the other guy was. Some he was busy at some point due to commitments to oh he he played the original guy that played Fandral. He had commitments to the ABC series Once Upon a Time as Prince Charming. Oh, who takes that gig over Fandral? That's so rough. Are you out of your goddamn mind? Yeah. No one knows who you are, Joshua Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's tough. And then Zachary Levi, who's way too big now to be playing Fandral, plays Fandral. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know who we should recast, according to the internet, is Chris Pratt as Star-Lord, because he is having a fall from grace yeah. on the internet right He's, now. He, he flew too close to the sun. He went full Icarus, sure and he just... He's doing too much. Oh, boy. Yeah, he is basically, and to sum up the Internet's feelings right now, instead of being a lovable douchebag, he has gone full douchebag. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately for him. He's also voicing Garfield and Mario. (sighs) I don't know how that's going to work. Completely nonsensical in both situations. I guess asking you the question, Eric... What are your What are your feelings? Where What is the temperature in your room here for Chris Pratt? Do you like him still? Is he kind of annoying? What do you think? I mean, I think I don't hate him, but yeah, yeah, he's definitely annoys me. Um, yeah, and he's just I think I'm trending that way too. Yeah, and like he's just doing too much stuff. It's like, but but I so I was thinking about this the other day, and it's like if I were him, like. You can't turn down these opportunities. So I'm not like really blaming him for like being in too much. It's like if somebody offers you to be Mario, you you say yes. It's like if if somebody offers you to be Garfield, I guess you say I don't really care about Garfield either way. I don't know who fucking does, but what but whatever. But like uh He's like a weird ass devout Christian now too. Yeah, something. which is a whole <laughs> <laughs> a whole different thing with me specifically, which I'm not the biggest fan of, but um, I think he like said something. He's like, I, my church is kind of progressive. They're pro divorce or something. And it's like, like dude, was like, he joking? He must've been yeah. joking. That's insane. I would hope so. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, it's uh, yeah. I'm, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not the biggest fan of Chris Pratt. He said it was recently it has recently been suggested that I belong to a church which hates a certain group of people and is infamously anti-LGBT. Nothing can be further from the truth. I go to a church that opens their door to absolutely everyone. Despite what the Bible says about divorce, my church community has been there for me every stop of the way, never judging. This gracefully accompanying me on my walk. Yeah, you're probably giving them a shit ton of money, dude. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Recognize your fucking place and reality. For sure. Oh man. Hey, but before we get too far away from this and and Mario, this is not something we need to really talk about because it's uh, very mildly related. But did you hear there is going to be a Donkey Kong movie as well, starring Seth Rogen? So what I did, I I heard he was playing. Yeah, he's playing one of the characters. Well, he's playing Donkey Kong in the Mario movie, and then they're also doing a Donkey Kong movie as well. Yeah, which I I'm. I could see that one almost being better than the Mario movie. I'm, I'm really interested to see how they do the voices with all of these. Yeah. Because, like, we don't see these characters really talk much. No, no, definitely not. Um, I'm, I feel like it's just going to be Seth Rogen being Seth Rogen for 
for Donkey Kong. He's definitely the right choice for that one. I think that makes sense to me. I still don't understand Chris Pratt as Mario. Why not have the guy that's played Mario forever? But yeah, um, yeah I, I feel like Disney was avoiding this for a long time. And then they were like, ooh, sweet Hollywood dollars. Yeah. And uh, gave in. But, you know, I'll, I'll probably go see him. I, you know, I've that's been a part of my childhood, you yeah, know, and, and my life for a long time. So, um, I think there's potential there. I just, it's one of those things where, um, I give props to whoever if if they pull it off. I give major props to them because it's one of those things I can't imagine how it would work. Yeah, and I mean that's happened with lots of movies. Like Guardians of the Galaxy was a big thing for people. They're like, there's no way this is gonna work, and then it was a huge success. It's like so. Props to whoever creatively was like no like we can totally make this work and this is how you do it because i just can't picture it in my head yeah yeah at me all. neither so. yeah i mean like they say you know like the like the book dune was an unfilmable you know book yeah like, couldn't make, turn it into a like Seemed pretty fuck that shit <laughs> yeah. i don't know how mario and donkey kong are, yeah are you know translating to film i think that's more of a more of a stretch than Dune ever will be. Yeah. Yeah, I will agree. This is my last little bit. Speaking okay. of Dune, broke $300 million worldwide already. Oh, baby. Dune Part 2, greenlit. It's coming. We just probably have to wait like 17 years. Yeah, most so. likely. Unfor- very I think it is. I think it's coming out 2023. So we will see. We will see. Yeah. Well, hey, I have some news. And you want to know what else is coming out in 2023, supposedly? Oh, what's coming out? Well, apparently, there's a Star Wars Old Republic movie in the works, uh, supposedly for 2023. That's going to be pushing back the Rogue Squadron movie that was originally slated. So that's now looking like a 2024 release. And uh, apparently there's an Old Republic movie coming in 2023. Seems like there's some interest bubbling over the Old Republic. The the MMO is getting like a ton of developer support right now randomly. Um, Knights, Mm. Knights of the Old Republic is coming to the Switch this month. They're remaking it. We mentioned on this show before. They're remaking Knights of the Old Republic. So it really seems like this is all coming together to make a little old Republic push in star Wars land and nothing could fucking make me happier because that is my favorite star Wars era. I, uh, I am, I could not be more stoked. So if someone finally used their brain. Yeah, I, I hope so. I hope so. And then I think it sounds like the acolyte is going to be, uh, not old Republic era, but high Republic era, which is they got to get better names for these eras. I think. Can you explain? I don't know what any of that means. Yeah, the only difference is the High Republic is uh, like a few hundred years before Skywalker's. The Old Republic mm. is a few thousand. That's the yeah, that's yeah. the only difference. And so, like the high, in the High Republic, like Yoda's still alive. He's just a couple hundred years younger. In the Old Republic, no, there's no. But he's still alive. It's like much closer to like the ancient Sith. Um, it's uh, and 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 there's like a full on like there's like there are like Sith armies in the Old Republic, which is the thing that I like about it. It's like not this is before the rule of two and rule of two for anybody who doesn't know, meaning like there are always two Sith, one master, one apprentice. This, the Old Republic says, fuck that. 
There's a million Sith, just like there's a million Jedi, and it, this is it's a galactic war between the Sith and the Jedi, and I think that is pretty cool. Uh, fuck Yoda. Was Yaddle alive at that time? No, unfortunately, no. <laughs> oh. Yaddle, Yaddle is my OP. Uh, I, I I was trying to figure out the name of Yoda's species, and it just there he there isn't one. Uh, there isn't there, one. Yeah, is there is saying? not one. No, there is. It just says Yoda species yep. under Yaddle species. Yep. Yeah, there Yoda species has never been named. Some some fucking how. And it is a extreme. It is a big mystery in the Star Wars universe. Of the species Metachloria. Who knows? <laughs> All right. Um. So, also in uh, in Star Wars live action things, you probably saw this. In addition to Hayden Christensen coming back for the Obi Wan series, uh, turns out Hayden Christensen is also going to be appearing in the Ahsoka series, which is uh, oh really yeah. wow, which is um gonna be awesome i think because i i've how happy is that guy right now oh he's got to be stoked he's got to be stoked because he's gonna have an opportunity this is almost like a second chance because i i for and i think you agree i think we've talked about this hayden christensen was not the problem with his portrayal it was he was given like crazy dialogue and it's just like i feel like he's gonna use this as a second chance to really show that he's like can be a good if not great anakin skywalker yeah i mean he has not been in much at yeah. all yeah um so yeah i mean that'll that'll be interesting yeah and i've i've been rewatching the uh, the clone wars very slowly and so it's you know a lot of anakin and ahsoka um and i just i i can't wait to hear hayden christensen call rosario dawson snips that will be uh that will be <laughs> funny to me um, but outside of that, did you, yeah, you saw the Boba Fett trailer, right? There's a trailer for Boba sure Fett. Did. Yeah. The book of Boba Fett. Yeah, it's, uh, it'll be interesting. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, yeah. It looks a lot like the Mandalorian in every way. <laughs> yeah. They're like, listen, we need to make a show that doesn't have what's her fuck in it. Yeah. And uh, we'll just yeah. go from there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I'm cautiously excited. I think I well no I'm excited I think it'll be good I'm just kind of over the aesthetic of the Mandalorian not the aesthetic but it's like everything's fucking Tatooine it's like relax with the I'm desert so tired planets of sand. yeah yeah I'm so tired yeah of sand. relax with the desert planets and let Dune have its moment. yeah for sure and uh, and also Boba Fett is not as cool as people claim he is uh, he's fine but it's like. I feel like this probably should have just been part of the Mandalorian, but whatever. I'm sure it'll be good. I'm sure it won't be bad. Um, Hope so. I mean, yeah, Jabba's palace showing back up. Yeah. All these like different bounty hunter people and shit. Yeah, I feel like Boba Fett. Boba Fett was super cool because there wasn't physical media around when those movies came out. Yeah. It wasn't like a thing. And he was just a really cool design yes. character that you only saw a little bit. And so it was the mystery of it all. And it was just like, oh, who's this guy? And then people just really liked him because he looked cool and he was kind of a badass and he just showed up, did his shit and left. Yeah. Um, 
And now, you know, that's just where we're at now. And the Mandalorian, you know, I think was definitely riding on the wave of that as well, where it's just like, I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people still think that's Boba Fett. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Just because not everyone is us. And so I think a lot of people are like, yeah, watch that Boba Fett show. And, uh, you know, pretty cool. And (laughs) that's that. So I don't know. It'll probably be fine. Yeah. Well, you know what else will probably be just fine? They are doing an animated series about Darth Maul as well. So base and I would argue that the Clone Wars already is an and even Rebels already both are animated series about Darth Maul. But I guess we need another one specifically focusing on Darth Maul. I I assume this one is going to be focused around. You know, they teased in the solo movie that he was running the what is it? The Crimson Dawn like smuggling ring. Hmm. And so I think that is something that they've not really gotten super into in in this in the shows and they just kind of teased it in the solo movie. And so I think that's what this series is going to be about it, him running his like smuggling empire, which is like this character sure fucking did a lot after he got murdered brutally by <laughs> Obi-Wan falling down an endless hole <laughs> yeah. chopped in half. Yeah. Yeah. They were totally in solo trying to set him up as the next big bad guy, but yeah. then that just kind of fizzled right out. Yeah. I still haven't seen that movie. You haven't seen Solo? I've never oh seen it. Oh my god. Solo. I've seen the scene with him in it uh, on YouTube. Yeah, That's it. yeah, yeah. I I swear to God, I'm not saying this to try to tro- troll you. I truly, really, really, truly believe Solo is much better than Rogue One. Just because there's an actual story and you actually remember the characters. Maybe it's not like aesthetically or design wise better because I acknowledge that Rogue One like design wise is like very everybody's so pumped because it looked like 70s modern 70s Star Wars mustaches and sideburns all over the place. Yeah, whatever, whatever. Everything was dirty, you know, Um, but so but Solo is uh, Solo got fucked by all those rumors of of that Aiden Aldenreich or whatever being bad when he wasn't bad at all. He was fine. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know why I haven't watched it yet. I, I need to. I, I've been meaning it's to for, for sure a long worth time. A watch. It's for sure worth a watch. I, I might rewatch it soon, actually. Yeah, I guess I need to watch yeah. it. So I've been putting that one off for a long time. I said it to someone else this like a week or so ago. I was like, yeah, I've never seen it. And they're like, what? Oh, you got to go watch it. I was like, yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's a I good know. one. It's a good one. Um, so. Okay, so speaking of, of Rogue One as well, <laughs> this is... You, you have piqued my interest. This is fucking baffling to me. So you know how they are... It's baffling to me to begin with that they're making that Andor series, right? Yeah, even I think that's fucking dumb. They're... It's going to be three seasons long. They've already signed on the showrunner for three seasons. Dude, why? I have absolutely no clue. What? They they have to have, they have to have some plan that like, he's just going to be like the, he's going to be, I don't know. I don't even know what I'm. That is the most forgettable quote unquote main character in the history of movies. He's got to just be like some character that's a backdrop for something much better. 
they have to have some idea of I, like like you would hope. I don't I don't understand that. He was not like I I didn't even remember his name. Yeah, and I like Rogue One, and I don't give a shit about that guy. Yeah, I don't. Uh, Doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, I don't get that one. I don't get that one at all. But but apparently that's happening. Uh, I mean, look, I'll probably watch. I'll at least watch. You know, the first couple episodes, see if it's good, and if it is, I'll watch it. But I have zero in less than zero interest in that at all, personally. Yeah, dude, like that's bizarre. That's so bizarre. Yeah. I don't understand three seasons. Like, I wonder if it's just gonna be like some like cool spy stuff or something. Because he's like kind of like a rebel spy. Dude. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, maybe. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I uh, I hope it's good, though, as I hope everything we talk about is good. But not everything can be good. Yeah, I, I guess it's just, like, astonishing to me still at this point how many series they're making. Yeah. Of everything. Yeah, unlimited. Unlimited. Because it just, like, years ago, like, they're like, we're making four Netflix shows. Yeah, right. And, and that was, yeah. You know. Now it's like. And now between all of the Disney Plus content, not even just Marvel and Star Wars, all of it, it is like hundreds of shows. It's fucking nuts. I mean, it's like it's great as a fan, but uh, but there's a lot. There's a lot for sure. Like I 100 percent expect the entertainment industry to reach a boiling point and the bubble to burst a little bit. Yeah, I think I think because so. I am so overwhelmed with stuff to watch that I don't watch anything anymore. <laughs> I'm just like I can't handle all this shit. Yeah, I watch Curb Your Enthusiasm and Marvel shows. Yeah, well, I think I that's just, the thing is people are just gonna have to choose like what universe do you want to follow. Like I will probably watch most of the Star Wars stuff and most of the Marvel stuff, and then out. Right. But outside of that, I'm the same way. It's like I have to be really interested in a show. Like Why the Last Man, I watch Why the Last Man because I was interested in that. But uh, but I don't like. I never turn on a streaming service looking for something to watch. Really, like I. Right. Like I'd always we used to do yeah, that though, yeah. right? We used to do that. Yeah. It's weird. It's totally weird. But then like do you also get to the point where it's like, are there people like a significant amount of people that just watch like a Star Wars movie? Like, or like do they feel the obligation to watch like some of the other stuff? I like, think I, most people so judging I always like use my mom as a uh as uh Waited to judge this of just like a normal person's interest in this stuff because she, I would say, is a is a casual but big fan of Marvel, and she has. I don't think she feels the need to watch everything, but she watches most Marvel stuff. Just huh. whenever there's a new Marvel thing out, she's like, "Oh, new Marvel thing out! I'm I'm gonna watch this." Um, I guess maybe that's uh speaks to the quality of Marvel stuff. Like it's all pretty good. Like if you like one, chances are you're going to like almost all of them. Right. Um, but yeah, so, so I do think, I do think normal people like there, there's those brands have so fucking much power. It's like, if, if you watch one star Wars thing, you obviously know everybody loves star Wars. You know, I'm, like 
you know how huge Star Wars is. So if you watch one Star Wars thing and like it, maybe you do watch another Star Wars thing. And then if you like that, then it's maybe like, well, fuck, I'm a Star Wars guy now. Like, I'm just going to watch all the Star Wars shit. I'm going to do this until it's broken. Yeah, pretty it's much. Keep going. Pretty shit. much. Um, but uh, so, so very last thing, and this is not even really news. It's just kind of surprising. Uh, apparently, the Guardians of the Galaxy game is good. So who, who saw that coming? Not apparently, me. Apparently, there's been like a lot of love building for the Avengers game, too, as they, they add more and more characters to it and stuff. Like, it seems like after well, so, a really rough go, things have been better and better. I would say... There's more players building for the Avengers game. I I would argue there's less love because the, uh, the the latest thing I've heard with the Avengers game, the reason why people are flooding it now is because it's on Game Pass, so it's free. Oh, okay. Um, but apparently they made their pay to win bullshit even worse in the last couple of weeks for that very reason that they knew it was going free on Game Pass. And now it's like absolutely insufferable to play past uh, the main story. But if you but if you're just looking to play the main story, yeah, I have also heard it's it's uh, pretty decent. But I've heard it's absolutely unplayable once you get into like the the actual multiplayer stuff. Um, but I mean, I will I will probably download it and play through the main story just to just to see. Because um, again, it's free. Game Pass is the shit. If you if you play any amount of video games at all on pc or xbox and you don't have game pass you are wildly fucking up like literally it is easily the best uh value probably just in entertainment in general um it's it's incredible i mean it is incredible if you if you're like listening you're like yeah i've heard of game pass but just go look up what games are on game pass for free it is astonishing like truly it's uh, such an amazing value, but but anyway, that's my. I always like to get on a soapbox about Game Pass because it is truly amazing. This this podcast gets fully paid for by Xbox and Game Pass. <laughs> I wish. No, I, I I I will promote Game Pass forever, sponsored or not. It's it's that good. Boom. Yeah, you heard it here. Yeah, but you know it's probably not that good. Oh boy. <laughs> Are we ready to talk about Eternals? Yeah, I think we are. <laughs> All right. I wanted I I kind of I have a few things I'd like to 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 dip our toes into. Okay. So just like every MCU movie that's ever come out, I saw it opening night. But I'm going to start off by reading just the title of one single article here. Okay. It's just to dip our toes in here. And just for the record, I've seen this. Eric has not yet. I think you've been completely spoiled, though. But going forward from this yeah. point on, spoilers. Well, from what I understand, other than the uh, after credit scenes, <laughs> there's this nonsense is unspoilable. It seems like to me. Right. So here's <laughs> but, the title yeah, of an article like you, right here. I feel here. like I talked over you. So to make it very clear, full spoilers. We're not doing a no spoiler section of this. Yeah. Full this spoilers, spoilers for Eternals, baby. Eternals director Chloe Zhao says Zack Snyder's Man of Steel inspired me the most. Oh, that's so tough. Chloe. I'm not going to read anything from the article. I'm just going to read that title. 
Why, Chloe? Well, I will say, <laughs> yes, exactly, why? Um, in the MCU now, Superman and Batman exist. What? Because Superman is mentioned by one of the characters. Uh, Icarus is compared to Superman by a, a child in the film. He calls him Superman. And another character is referred to as Alfred, Batman's butler. So Superman and Batman, Whoa. in some way or shape or form, exist within the MCU now. Whoa, that's wild. So, Thursday night, Eternals raked in $9.5 million from preview screenings. It's on track for a 70 to $75 million opening weekend in North America alone. And on Friday, it made $30 million in North America. So it's making a lot of money. However, as of right now, in this moment, it has a 47. It's gone down one percentage point since we started this podcast. It was 48 when we started. It's at 47% on the tomato meter. The audience score, however, is at 81%. Okay. So a lot of divisiveness here. Um, I've seen a lot of comments on Reddit, on Twitter. People are like, oh, I love this movie. They're wrong. <laughs> All right. And so just before we start jumping into this movie, if you'd like to head over to our Twitter, at Infinity Rewatch, I made a nice, helpful chart on the back of a Chipotle napkin. Oh, my God. That charts my MCU hype in 2021. <laughs> based on all the releases. So I'm just going to verbally go through this right now. All okay, right. WandaVision. So at the beginning of the year, hype was low. It's very low. It had no interest, really. I was really tired of Marvel stuff after a long time of having a lot of it. WandaVision comes out. It just skyrockets. My hype is, is all over the place. It's at a peak. Falcon and the Winter Soldier comes out. It takes a pretty significant dive bomb. Yeah. It's, it's not that great, yeah. but it's still higher Fair. than what it was at, right? But thankfully, shortly after that, Loki comes out. Yep. Another peak. Not as high as WandaVision, but almost there. It's like feeling real good. Flying high. What if comes out another just just goes skyrocketing down below Falcon and the Winter Soldier levels. Almost at where it was at the beginning of the year. Did not like it. But then the Spidey trailer comes out and it shoots to the highest hype levels of this year. Oh, okay. Just, just feeling great. Shang-Chi comes out. It's still riding that same high. I'm like, this is great. Everything's going good. Eternals comes out. Boom. Straight down to the bottom. <laughs> straight down to the bottom. So if you want to see that lovely visual on the back of a Chipotle napkin drawn with a Sharpie, check out our Twitter at Infinity Rewatch. Um, and we'll jump right into this movie. Oh, uh, okay. Can, can, I just, can I just say, I, I would like to take just the smallest victory lap here. Because I was on the this movie's gonna suck train a, like a year ago when they were when they were talking all this crazy uh all this crazy shit of like this is the greatest script we've ever seen. This Chloe Zhao's a visionary, this movie's gonna be the best, and it rubbed me the wrong way. And I said so on this very podcast. <sighs> oh man. And I, oh, yeah, man. it sounds like I was right. <laughs> I'm going to, in my head, I'm giving you a round of applause. Thank you. Get, you. you get all the validation you deserve. <laughs> I can't argue with you at all. Okay. It, just, it was too hype. It was too excited. It seemed fake. 
here's my thing. I've, I've been grappling with this, and I need to watch it again, but I'm not going to pay to watch it again. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to wait until it comes out in a month and a half or whatever on Disney+. Plus. I am not sure if it's the worst MCU movie. Okay. But I am sure it's the most boring MCU movie. Ah, that might be even worse. Yes. It is the Iron Fist of MCU movies. Oh, that's tough. And that I tough. know a lot of people liked it. Um, but I'm going to I'm going to do something a little bit different this podcast and I'm going to give you my rating up front. And then we're going to walk through it all oh. and talk about it. Oh. This movie has great actors. Yep. This movie has an Academy Award winning director and writer. Yep. Who has won the Academy Award for Best Director and Best Picture. This movie has Celestials as a backdrop. The story has so many possibilities to be great. Yeah. Seems and like the cinematography it had great cinematography too. At least the cinematography was pretty good. Okay. Someone someone said that this was like the most beautiful looking Marvel movie. It's not. Okay. It's not, but it looks great. It doesn't look bad. Okay. Okay. I, I'll give them that. It doesn't look bad. The cinematography I thought was good. Um, and you also have kind of this this uh, long spanning like seven thousand plus year story, so you can kind of dig into any moment that you want and you have all this opportunity. Um, all of those things are recipes for a good movie. <laughs> and the entire time for two and a half hours, I was mostly bored and waiting for something to happen. I feel like the moments in this movie that were great, that were interesting to me were those that, had not anything to do with the Eternals really at all, and were setting up other things. Um, and I may choose to regret this score later after I see it a few times. But this movie's a one. Oh my god! And I didn't think—I genuinely didn't think I was going to be one of the people that was going to say I didn't like this movie. I thought, I thought there, I, there was a couple things. I thought maybe there's like with. Uh, like, like anti-China, like review bombing going on or something, some yep, weird yep, shit. Yep. I thought that was gonna play into it, and I thought that this movie was gonna pleasantly surprise me, and I was gonna like it because everyone was saying it was bad, and it was just, I just the like it just, it wasn't a terrible film. It was terrible because it was boring, and it it made such a boring movie out of something that could have been great. Yeah, yeah, I get that. And so that's why I rate it that way. Okay. Um, also, at the same time, the entire movie, I'm trying to remember every character's name. And so I would like to play yeah. a game right now that is, let me try to list off the 10 Eternals that are in this movie oh, and see if I can even do it. Because there are 10 Eternals with very odd names. Yep. And... You have 10 characters that you're trying to develop as a team throughout a two-and-a-half-hour movie. That is, in my opinion, more ambitious than than just the Avengers film, trying to have six characters you've already had in their each individual movie. Yeah. Right? Okay, so let me try and do this. Let me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and count them out. I have okay. one. 
if you need an assist and you don't okay, have Okay, so one. Cersei. Yep, yep, yep. Icarus. Yep. Ajax. Okay. Makari. Wow. Druig. Okay. Gilgamesh. I mean, I'm already impressed. Sprite. Okay. Um. Uh. Hold on. Hold on. You have not Fastos. said. Kingo. Oh, Kingo was the one I knew. I love that one. And ooh, who did I forget? Who did I forget? I mean, you did uh, great. I feel Cena. like Cena. Cena. Oh, Cena. Okay, Holy I got, I've been practicing. I've been practicing all week. That's amazing. And and uh, that. Well, again, we said full spoilers, but you did miss uh, Eternal Number Eleven. That makes a. Oh well, we'll talk about that. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk. Hold, hold your horses. Hold your horses, there, Chief. We'll talk about <laughs> Eternal Harry Styles in a bit. Oh man. Oh, okay. Man. So I let's let's just go through this. Let's go through this piece by piece. Um, in chronological order. Oh. So. Celestials are fucking cool as shit. Yeah, yeah. Our only glimpse of them is when uh, we're in Guardians of the Galaxy, we're on Nowhere, and the Collector is explaining the Infinity Stones in exposition, you know, for the entire audience. And we see the Power Stone being used by a Celestial to basically, like, wipe out an entire planet. And it was fucking sweet, right? Um, This movie is basically, instead of the Eternals, it should be called... Should have been called like the expositionists, <laughs> um, because there's so much exposition in this movie. But okay, it's five thousand BC, and wow. ten Eternals are sent by the celestial Arishem or Arishem. I don't. Know, I can't fucking remember. It's a weird fucking name. I don't like it. So <laughs> the celestial Arishem sends the Eternals to Earth to fight the Deviants. So you see, like, uh, what is, what the fuck is it called? It's not Mesopotamia, some other shit like that. Uh, there's all these people just trying to live, and then, like, the Deviants are, like, fucking them up. And so the Eternals come to fight the Deviants. And basically, over the next millennia, the Eternals protect humanity from Deviants. But they're not allowed to interfere with anything that doesn't have to do with, with Deviants at all, basically. It's like, okay, whatever. So it's like the 1500s, and they kill all the deviants. And at this point, all ten of them kind of they just they they argue with each other and they disagree on like to interfere or not to interfere because like they're like watching like an army of people basically just like rape and pillage and kill like a an entire city, right? And they're like, mm. this is fucked up. Like, there's so many different powers, like. Uh, um, Druig can just like mind control people and just like he at one point he just like mind controlled all these soldiers and just got them to stop fighting so it's like so easily they can do so much Um, and so they all kind of decided to separate and spend the next 500 years mostly separated from each other waiting to figure out what their mission would be from Erishem and if he was going to send them home to their planet Olympia um, and so they all separate at this point we we go to present day time, and we find out that Cersei and Sprite live together in London, so Sprite looks like like a younger girl, and Sprite is able to like create illusions basically, 
uh, and like multiply herself or like make an illusion of fireworks going up in the air. These type of things. Okay. Cersei is able to turn things into like if a uh, a bus is going to come crash down, she turns it into like a bunch of butterflies or something like that. Okay. So she's able to touch things and turn them into something else. Um, and so I guess they're living but they together all, in London. To be clear, they all. In addition to their individual powers, they're all like pretty strong and pretty fast, right? Not really. Really? Okay. Not really at all. No, they all kind of have their own powers and they may be like a little bit stronger, but like not really. They just kind of have their each individual power. Okay. Um, so apparently Cersei and Icarus had been kind of together um for a long time hundreds of years but then they separated when everyone split so icarus is basically the superman guy that's played by uh richard Matt, uh yeah. madden rob so stark now, right yeah yeah exactly um and so it's really weird like they're just like he's like i love you cersei and cersei was a character yeah. in game of thrones too <laughs> oh that's like, really weird. fucking weird but now cersei is with a guy named dane whitman who is played by Kit Harrington, John Snow, um, and who in Marvel Comics is known as the Black Knight. Um, but in this, he's just a normal dude, and he works at the Natural History Museum teaching children in a classroom. He's like a professor. Um, and so basically, the three of them are hanging out, and they get attacked by the deviant named Crow, who I didn't know he had a name until I read this little thing I'm reading right now. Mm. So he just they got attacked by a deviant. And then Icarus appears out of nowhere and basically fights and chases the creature away because he's Superman. He's like strong. He can fly. He's got laser vision. He's Superman, basically. Um, and so this kind of sparks all the Eternals. They're like, the Deviants are back. They had killed them all previously. Um, and so they're like, we need to basically Avengers assemble the Eternals. Um, and so that, that kind of kickstarts the movie. And... They travel to South Dakota, because that's, that's where Eternals like to hang, and find that their leader, Ajak, who's played by Selma Hayek, has been killed by the Deviant before he went to London. Oh, wow. And she has healing powers. He gained her healing powers as a result. So, like, super powerful Deviant, because normally they can just kill them, but he just keeps healing himself, kind of like Wolverine. So that's an um, early Selma Hayek death. Yes, she dies very early into the movie. That's unfortunate. You really only see her in action in like the the cutscenes back into the past, right? Wow. Um, so the leader of the Eternals is dead. And so I'm like, okay, interesting. Um, and so basically what happens is like she has like they have like this like little gold ball that goes into her chest, and like that's like the leader of the Eternals, and that's how she talks to the celestial uh, Arisham. And so we find out that Ajak has decided that Cersei is going to be the next in command after she dies. And she will talk to uh, Arisham now. Um, and so Cersei kind of communicates with him. She's just like floating in front of this gigantic celestial who's talking to her. And he just doesn't have as cool of a voice as you'd expect him to. Mm, that's unfortunate. Like when I think of, Thanos. When I think of even like Ebony Maw, I think of Red Skull. Their voices are iconic and they have a certain gravitas towards them. And I wanted the Celestial to at least sound 
different or cool or strong and it just sounded like a low voice mm. and um not boomy enough yeah it just it it left something to be desired hmm. for sure but she basically learns that the mission of the Eternals is not to fight the deviants so this is the big plot point but it's to prepare earth for the emergence so the emergence is basically, this is what Arishem explains to Cersei. For millions of years, celestials plant their seeds uh, um, <laughs> in populated planets so that new celestials can be born. Um, so the celestials basically create like suns and new life. And so that's like what their purpose is in the universe. Like they'll create a sun that creates life within the universe. And like when they do that, it creates like billions of billions and billions of life forms. Mm -hmm. And so the celestials created both the deviants and the eternals. The deviants were created to destroy apex predators on planets so that they could ensure the development of life because they need planets to develop a certain amount of life so that these seeds of eternals can grow into full eternals and then basically explode the entire planet and wake up from this planet. So it destroys the entire planet, and the Celestial is born. Wow. So the Eternals are like, uh, are like Viltrumites. They just don't know it. Right. And so basically, <laughs> this, was, this was very invincible in a lot of ways. Yeah. The Celestials sent the Deviants to destroy the Apex Predators, but the Deviants evolved and hunted the planet's populations instead of just killing the Apex Predators, which resulted in the Celestials having to send the Eternals to kill them. And so Arishem tells Cersei that the Earth has reached its necessary population to birth the Celestial Tiamat, which will result in the Earth's destruction. So basically, when Tiamat is born, he's going to like basically reach out from the core of the Earth the entire Earth will explode open and a new celestial will be born, but all billions of life forms on Earth will then die, essentially. Which, the visual of that was very cool. Yeah. Um, and so all of that was, was interesting. Um, however, many of the Eternals have learned to love humanity in this time. And the Eternals kind of reassemble to decide whether they want to prevent the emergence or not. Um, and we actually find out that because of Thanos' snap, this delayed the emergence by five years, essentially. Oh. Um, because half of life went away, and then when it came back, it, you know, they were kind of at that point again where the emergence could happen. But when, basically, Thanos was right. It's really what it comes down to. Um <laughs> But yeah, that that was an interesting little thing there. And so um, they start assembling and meeting up all these Eternals again, all 10 of them, you know, minus the one that had already died. And Crow and the other Deviants start attacking them. Um, and so in one of these battles, Crow kills Gilgamesh, who, uh, who was like a super strong dude. He's just like really fucking buff and really strong. And he basically like feeds on him and becomes fully humanoid and he can now speak. Oh boy. 
which was kind of cool. I mean, when when the deviants like feed on and kill like the Eternals, it's kind of fucked up. Like all these like little tentacle things like go into them. And it was like kind of gross. Um, but I don't know. I never even knew this guy's name was Crow until I read this, this <laughs> summary here. Um, I mean, so far, this summary sounds like amazing so far. You're going to probably end up loving this because I hate it. I think um, I think I'm at a much I love going into movies expecting to hate them because there's only like one direction for me to go. <laughs> so so I, I do true. I do bet I'll uh, I, I'll at least like this movie. I'm excited. To I watch feel it. like the story of it all is intriguing. The execution is poor. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, and I'm skipping over a lot of other like little stuff. Yeah, that yeah, happens. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in between because a lot of it's really interesting so like so far in this movie at this point i am more fascinated by dane whitman than anything mm-hmm. and i'm like ooh, dane whitman what's gonna happen here like this is super cool and i'm just trying struggling to remember all these people's names um they basically they visit fastos he's like he's married to uh, this two dudes married and he has a kid and like it's like yeah that's super cool it's, it was really interesting seeing a black guy and a middle eastern guy married like man when you're going for your first like big mcu uh you know like two guys together like in a in a gay relationship which was awesome uh man they just really went for it and i appreciate that i was like man you got a black guy and a middle eastern dude like they're not holding anything back and i love it yeah um and so that was really cool to see that representation in, in the film. And he's really hesitant to go with them, but ends up going. His son is actually the one that's like, hey, you're Superman, aren't you? That Superman guy when he's referring to Icarus. Um, and he's like, no, I'm not Superman. I don't wear a cape. Um, and so Fastos is basically his powers that he like just like creates machines and he's super smart and stuff like that. And so he basically reveals that he can create something he calls a unimind to connect all of the Eternals together, and that would allow the Eternal Druig to put Tiamat to sleep using his mind control powers. Um, at some point, Kingo is like, I'm leaving the group because I don't, I don't want to face Erishem, um, and I don't agree with you. However, just because I don't agree with you doesn't mean I'm going to fight you. Um, however, this is where the real... Uh, invincible part comes in. Icarus uh-huh. reveals he was informed of the emergence by Ajax centuries ago and that it oh, was dang. him that fed Ajax to the Deviants to kill her to oh, prevent dang. her from stopping it. So he killed Ajax and made it look like the Deviants just hunted her down. But he he literally just like fed her to the Deviants, picked up her dead body and brought it back to her house. Um... So that was pretty fucked up. So evil Superman is here. Um, Very Man of Steel-esque too, brooding. Um, And we also find out that Sprite joins up with Icarus because she has always loved him, but she looks kind of like a child. And so like no one takes her very seriously. And she's always been jealous of Cersei, who was with Icarus. Um, that is extra funny because I, if I'm not misremembering, that is the character who can just like make visuals. So just make yourself look different. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Boom. I don't know if she can make herself look different, but I know she can like just like make apparitions almost just, in a way. I mean, you could you could just make one around yourself at all times. That's true. That's true. There you go. Got to be creative um, with those powers. I will say um, the character Makari, she's like a speedster, 
She's also deaf, and so she uses sign language. Coolest character in the movie, but you don't get a lot of her. Okay. Um, but she basically runs around Earth. Really, like probably my favorite depiction of a speedster in a movie so far. It, just, it felt very real. It felt very fast. No slow motion shit. Um, I liked it. Um, she runs around Earth and locates the place of the emergence, which is at the foot of an active volcano in the Indian Ocean. So in the middle of nowhere, basically. Um, and at this point, the Eternals that are still alive start battling Icarus and Sprite. So basically, Apparition Girl and Superman at this point. Um, and this is the part I thought was weird. Crow, the, the Deviant joins in the battle and he wants revenge on the Eternals and he attacks them as well, which like, why wouldn't you help the Eternals who are trying to stop this celestial from being born and then fight Icarus instead? I don't, it just that the whole deviance thing, just not a really good villain yeah. when it comes to all of that stuff. Um, Angelina Jolie's Thena ends up fighting the deviant crow and kills him. Thena throughout the movie had an interesting kind of backstory that wasn't super fleshed out, but like she was basically, um, she was basically like suffering from like the weight of all of her memories. And at some times she would like turn bad and like start attacking the other Eternals at random times. And so her and Gilgamesh went to go live together in the middle of nowhere for like hundreds and hundreds of years because he was like going to like protect her. Uh, Otherwise they'd have to wipe her memory so that she could like, be okay mm. it was really weird um but i, I guess i kind of glossed over one part too is that after cersei talked to the eternals or talked to the celestial they're not from a planet called olympia they're basically just like fake people that were created by the eternals and they've done this to planets wait you mean created by the celestials by the celestials okay. yeah so they're just like beings created by the Celestials and they have their memory wiped each time and they've done this a million times. Dang, okay. So like very The Matrix kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and so like Olympia doesn't exist and something got fucked up when they wiped Thena's memory last time and it's just like they're all kinds of fucked up. Like I don't even know if they're really people or if they're like fancy ass Celestial robots. You know, it's, it's weird. There's a lot happening here. It's just a lot. Um, And so let's see, where was I at? Um, Thena kills Crow the Deviant, so that gets him out of the way. But we still have to deal with an evil Superman that's going on. Um, And Sprite is fighting Cersei. And, you know, Cersei is just able to turn things into whatever. Sprite is just able to make apparitions. And then just out of nowhere, Druig walks up with a fucking rock and just knocks Sprite out with it, which for oh. some reason was hilarious. <laughs> yeah. uh, because it's like all these people have these crazy powers and you just knock someone out with a rock. Why not? Um, and so <laughs> I thought this was really funny. After this moment, they're done fighting. Cersei's like, I'm going to go stop the Celestial from being born because I can like touch it and do something to it. Right. And. So she just starts running like a normal ass person. And we cut to a scene of all these different Eternals working together to subdue Icarus because he's the most powerful one of all of them. And this fight goes on for like 15, 20 minutes. And we cut back and Cersei is still fucking running (laughs) towards this 
towards this this celestial that's being born. I'm like, why couldn't Makari just you know zip 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 and then boom, just be right back there? Yeah, like, right. Why is why is Cersei running? There's no reason why she should be running at all. It's completely ridiculous. Um, and so basically, Fastos is able to subdue uh, Icarus with some like crazy machine that he created to basically like clip his wings you know by like holding him down and he's just created some invention that is used as kind of like a fail safe against um icarus and so like they're able to like hold him down for a while um and he activates this unimine thing and all the eternals end up joining in uh and and some for some reason icarus is part of this unimine still it's like he feels guilty and they all combine their powers, um, and Druig is not able to stop Tiamat with his mind control powers. So Cersei basically puts her hand on the celestial that is like breaking out of the ground. Like it looked really cool. There's like a gigantic hand reaching out of the ocean at one part. You can see part of his head oh, coming out of the ocean. It's fucking sweet. Um, but Cersei basically just holds her hands down on this celestial and turns him into like stone or marble or something slowly, but surely. And I'm like, that's all you had to do. (laughs) Yeah. Right. This, this lady does like basically nothing. Like at the very beginning, she shows her powers off and they're cool visually. Cause she like, she'll turn shit into like flowers or like butterflies or some shit. But then like, she doesn't really do anything. She's literally just, my powers are being the plot device to ending the, the threat because at the end, she just kind of puts her hands down and then turns him into like stone, and then he's dead. I, I just it just felt really easy and weird, and I didn't like it. And then, almost comically, but not meant to be, Icarus feels guilty for turning on the Eternals, so he just flies directly into the sun and kills himself, <laughs> which was so on the nose. And it happens so quickly. He just kind of looked down, turned around, and then you just see him flying straight towards the sun until he like just kind of disintegrates. Oh my god, that is that. So up until that point, I feel the the retelling of this has been great. I and it sounds like you're very harsh with your one out of four or one out of six, but uh, but that is one of the dumbest things I've ever fucking heard. You send the character named Icarus directly into the sun. Yep. (laughs) See, the thing is, is that it has taken us like over two hours to get to this point. Yeah. And so like, I'm glossing over all these little moments of just like all the characters getting back together, all their little jokes and things. And it's just like, it's just really slow. Like the comic relief, there was, there was some comic relief. Kingo had he's basically a Bollywood star and um he has a valet slash like cameraman dude that's with him all the time that's like documenting them and he's hilarious like he's just always like making these jokes and it's it's really funny but like a lot of the taking us through the journey of all the Eternals is just like really slow and the action is kind of like like little blah and then it takes us so long to get to this final battle and it doesn't really pay off and it doesn't really make that much sense. And the amount of celestials that are in this is not that much. And when they are in it, it's just not that good. And the CGI felt weird. Um, I just thought that like 
the scale of a celestial, the feeling of being in the presence of a celestial should have been better. Um, and so I didn't like that too much. Um, it just, the good was, the good was like 5% of a movie. And all the rest was just like, okay, like, there were some cool moments, like, uh, like seeing Druig's powers was cool, seeing Makari's powers was cool. They actually, Makari and Druig, they never explicitly said they had a relationship, but then, like, they're kind of in a relationship together, we find out towards the end. They had more chemistry than Cersei and Icarus did by miles, and you only saw them together for, like, five seconds. And so... You know, there's just no chemistry between Icarus and Cersei at all. It just didn't make any sense. Angelina Jolie's Thena was in it, but like it, it was really hard to tell kind of how strong she was. She kind of forms weapons out of cosmic energy. Her and Gilgamesh had like an interesting bond, um, but just kind of bleh. Selma Hayek's barely in it. And, you know, I don't know. She was fine. It was not that great, but whatever. Dane Whitman was the most interesting character for sure. Kumail Nanjiani like got fucking ripped for this movie, right? Yeah. Never see him with his shirt off at all. Oh, that is that's a tragedy. So like he could have just Why? skipped everything else and just gone for arms. Um, you know, Fastos is not in it that much. Makari is not in it that much. Druig has he was probably one of the more interesting characters because he actually ends up forming a society in which he kind of mind controls the people. And like controls them, and he has like his own self sustaining little society somewhere in like the Amazon or some shit. And the people are kind of like mind slaves to him in a way, but it just like kind of works, I guess. Really weird. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Gilgamesh was like the strongest eternal, technically, like by brute strength, but he dies pretty quickly. And the the deviants themselves are just kind of blech. Um, but at this point, the battle, the main battle's over. Icarus has flown straight into the sun in a very comic fashion that wasn't supposed to be funny um, at all. And um, Cersei, who still has the Unimind, the power of the Unimind somehow, this was totally just a bull bullshit plot device, uses the last of its energy to turn Sprite into a human that would allow her to age, basically. She'll, she'll age and then die like a normal person. And so by the end of the movie, she like starts going to school and shit because she just wants to be a normal person, which like, like you said, just like you, you're an eternal. Why would yeah, you want to be a human? What? This is crazy. You're, you're nuts. <laughs> yeah. Um, there was like some funny parts with Dane Whitman. Like he, he asked Cersei if she's a wizard because like she doesn't hide like all these like crazy powers and her, and like he's hung out with Sprite a whole bunch. So like he knows like something's up. Um, and so the team parts ways basically Thena Druig and Makari decide to depart on their spaceship Domo uh, to find other Eternals. If there are some, who knows? Um, Cersei, Fastos, Kingo and Sprite remain on earth. Sprite goes and does human shit. She's a human now, basically. So there's just the three of them, Cersei, Fastos and Kingo that are kind of doing their shit. Um, so who has died here? We, Ajax has died. Icarus flew into the sun. Um, and then who else am I missing? Gilgamesh died, right? Gilgamesh died, yeah. Okay, yep. So that that accounts for all of them. So Dane professes his love for Cersei, 
And they're talking about, you know, like he knows she's an eternal now. He gets everything that's going on. He's like, well, I kind of have a secret about my family history as well. Um, and he's about to kind of start talking about it. But then Arishem basically appears in a very Galactus-esque way. And this was the coolest part of the Celestials in this movie. Like, cause they're just like standing in a park and then you just see his gigantic fucking head appear. Oh. And it's like very Galactus and it looked fucking sweet. And um, they uh, basically Cersei, Fastos and Kingo are dragged into space right in front of Arishem, who is upset that he basically, that they basically like went against their mission. But he says that he will spare humanity if the Eternals' memories show that humans are worthy of living, which, like, they totally won't, right? Like, I don't understand yeah, that. Yeah, right. Like, look at the last, like, 2,000 years. It's a shit show. Um, and so he vows to return for judgment before he disappears, taking them with him. And he disappears in, like, the animation, the CGI animation of him disappearing. It looks like a black hole quickly forms, and he just disappears. And it is fucking sweet. Dang. It is like the best part. This like little five second part is the best part of the whole celestial thing. Um, and so that was really cool. So he just takes them with him. And so Dane is just like left there, whatever. And then that's the end of the movie. That's it. Um, and so I think I got more satisfaction out of the beginning parts with Dane Whitman in it and that ending scene than any of the rest of the movie. So much of it is this trying to like Let's get the Eternals back together. Let's fight like these random deviants. Let's we somehow get away. Let's fight. Let's get back together. And then it's like the Eternals fighting each other to try and stop the Celestial. And then Cersei just kind of, you know, puts her hands on it and turns him into like marble or some shit. And so you just you just get left with this cool half a half Celestial head and a hand reaching out of the ocean. That is pretty wild. And so it looks really cool, but like the, the resolution of it and how she stopped it, it just was not very fully formed. A lot of these characters feel like they needed more development. They had way too many people in it, I think. Yeah. Um, I'm really impressed that I was able to remember all their names. Yeah, me too. Um, because they're just weird names. Um, and you don't get to see a lot of them too much. A lot of them, you, you just get these small little character moments. But this movie had two great after credit scenes which we were talking about a little bit earlier. And so the mid credit scene, we see Thena, Makari, and Druig on their ship Domo. And they are visited by the eternal Eros, brother of Thanos, also known as Star Fox, accompanied by his assistant Pip, the troll. Yeah. Also played by Patton Oswalt. <laughs> And Eros is, of course, played by Harry Styles. Um, Pip, the troll, his CGI was awful. Oh, no. It was really bad. It was really bad. And uh, I was just like, ooh, like, the rest of this movie CGI was, like, decent to good. Uh, but it, this was really, I mean, Patton Oswalt was great. Uh, seeing Harry Styles as Eros was really great. Um, my thought when I saw it, I was like, man, if Eric thought they were moving away from the Infinity Saga, they're really not, it seems, because they're pulling Eros in, uh, brother of Thanos. And, uh, so we'll see what happens there. I don't know what they're going to do because we got Eros coming in or I like, I just like calling him Star Fox. We got Star Fox coming in. 
we got uh, Adam Warlock coming in. All these like Thanos-related characters are coming into the MCU. I'm curious to see what they do with them all. And he basically joins, he just comes onto the ship and basically offers his help in finding other Eternals, maybe? I don't, I really didn't understand the connection too much, but um, it was interesting nonetheless. Yeah, that's, uh, I just had a thought. I wonder if they're going to bring back Thanos to help fight Kang somehow. <laughs> Very possible. I, I could see it happening. Yeah, I, It definitely feels like with all the MCU projects we've had, the Infinity Stones are still very much in it, in the mix. It's happening. It's in all these characters. I mean, like Adam Warlock was basically like created to just be like the man to kill Thanos. Um, it just very, very interesting. That is for sure. Um, and yeah, we'll see what happens there. Um, the these two the after credit scenes were more interesting than the movie to me. Um, I was like, oh, I wonder what the post credit scene is going to be. I really hope it's Black Knight related, and it was, in in more ways than one, in a sense. So, we see Dane Whitman, Kit Harrington, and he's opening kind of this old chest, inherited from his ancestors. Um, hold on, let me see. Uh, I want I need to look something up. What it had some like script. Um, in it and i want to read it so that you know what it says okay um and it's worth noting okay i totally forgot to mention this Thena at one point is in the ship domo and this this is where they find makari makari's just been living in their ship for 500 years by herself and she's just like reading shit she's just like doing everything um and she's surrounded by like all this random stuff and it looks like uh just like just random shit all over the ship and Thena, at one point, she walks in and she says, she grabs a sword and lifts it up and she goes, is this the Ebony Blade? And someone says, no, it's Excalibur. And then that that's all. That's oh, all that it says. Shit. Um, okay, so that aside, we see um, Dane Whitman and his girlfriend's obviously disappeared when the Eternal kind of, or the Celestial kind of grabs him into space. Um, and essentially he's looking at a box and he seems like he doesn't want to really look inside, but there's an inscription under the lid that is translated to mean death is my reward. Oh, and inside this box is essentially the ebony blade. And you can tell like, he's like drawn to it. He like, he's so curious. He wants to grab this ebony blade. Um, which the Ebony Blade was created by Stan Lee. I think it's in in like I think it was a Black Black Knight comics number one. Black Knight has been around for a long time. Uh nineteen fifty-five. I think before the inception of Marvel Comics, actually, it was an Atlas Comics uh creation. Um and the blade is shown to have been carved from a meteor and enchanted by the wizard Merlin. Um you know, the first the first black knight for Sir Percy of Scandia, apparently. I don't know what that means at all. And so it's kind of like an enchanted sword that, you know, just has like a curse on it, essentially. Um, and so he starts reaching for the ebony blade that is in this box. And it says, death, death will be my reward in some other language like Latin or some shit. 
And as he is about to do that, we hear a voice off screen. We don't see anyone. And basically says like, are you sure you're ready for that, Mr. Whitman? Or something like that. I can't remember what the exact word words were he says. Um, and it is revealed to be Mahershala Ali as Blade. Love it. The quote itself is, sure you're ready for that, Mr. Whitman? Um, and then it just ends. So you don't see... You don't see it at all. You don't see anyone, but it is Mahershal Ali's Ali's blade that says that to him. And so, like that alone, that after credit scene was better than the entire movie. <laughs> oh man! Oh, oh man! That's that tough. got me hyped. I mean, Dane Whitman, all the parts with him, I was more interested in him than I was in the Eternals. Um, I would just say I didn't think their their costumes were that interesting. They all were kind of the same, and they were all were just kind of boring. Yeah, yeah. Um. It just, it was dull. And it's like you had all the ingredients for like a delicious, a delicious little tasty treat. And just somehow it got all kind of twisted up and fucked up. Because like, like you said, the story elements are interesting. Yeah. You know, it's like you basically have celestials creating these two type of species of characters to serve a purpose that neither of them are quite in agreement with and then they're not even you know in the know of like who they are and their their memories have been wiped and stuff all this stuff is interesting and it's all to create a celestial out of a planet and all these things are super interesting but the movie wasn't and that's my problem with it is you know there's people that are saying they love this movie and i wish i felt the same way yeah i keep going and reading reddit comments and and twitter comments and i'm just trying to make sense of this because I watched that movie and I didn't like it. And it just kind of, I don't know. Like the cool moments are really the Dane Whitman stuff. The after credit scenes were great. Both of them were great. Irishem showing up in front of the whole planet at the end was really cool. But that was at the very, very end. Um, and, it, you know, the whole black hole little exit was super cool. Makari as a speedster was really cool, just how they visually showed it. Um, besides that, you know, I'm not sure there is that much else I really, really loved. Um, there's so many people in this movie. There's so much going on in this movie. Um, it just, I don't know. It was weird. I mean, the visual of the Eternal coming out of the ocean was really cool, but like the battle itself and everything surrounding it was just not that great. Yeah. And so I think that's why I give it such a harsh rating. Like I said, I don't think it's the worst MCU movie. I think I still think The Incredible Hulk is. Um, but it is the most boring. Well, I enjoyed that retelling of it. So that's I, I guess I just need to do audio retellings of movies. Yeah, I mean that summary that's, made it sound cool. I, I'm I'm excited to watch it, but my expectations are in the gutter. So I so I'm hoping that I uh can find some enjoyment with it. I hundred percent need to go see it again. I just I wish I could watch it like right now on Disney yeah, Plus. Agreed. Um and get like another perspective on it. But yeah, it was you know, in terms of all jokes aside, my back of a chipotle napkin hype like my hype my hype 
is still pretty high because we have Hawkeye and Spider-Man No Way Home coming out. Yeah. But I could have really not seen this movie and been fine. Yeah. And so that's that's more of the disappointment for me is that like we we get you know, two, three, four Marvel movies a year. And I guess I just expect a little more from them because if I'm looking at this year, WandaVision and Loki, like easily light years better than this movie. Shang-Chi better than this movie. Um, Black Widow better than this movie. And I feel like you have like, you have a clean slate here to like make whatever you want. I just, I expected more and I think I saw someone say this, and I, I agree with them. Falcon and the Winter Soldier should have been a movie, and this should have been a series. Because you have ten fucking people wow, yeah. in it, and you have to you have to you know give them enough room to you know uh, for you to be introduced to them, understand who they are and their motivations. But then you also have this cool element of the story where we keep bouncing back and forth between present time and some event in the past. And that was really interesting, but you didn't get enough time there to really grapple with each of the Eternals struggle with their relationship to humanity. You know, it's kind of like this is a joke, but, you know, I'm using it as an example. Steve Rogers knew 9-11 was going to happen and he didn't stop it. <laughs> yeah. And so, that like, is true. that is a joke, 100 percent. But, like, it is interesting, you know the human perspective of like having to deal with knowing something's going to happen, seeing or seeing something happening, knowing you have the power to stop it, but not stopping it. Yeah. Or wanting to stop it and having to fight against that want to stop it. That is compelling. That is an interesting story thing that you could show. And I don't think we got enough of it. Yeah. It was, it was... Like they just started to show it to us. And then we jump again we kind of jump back and forth and you see some of the reverberations of it, but not enough that it was impactful to me. It sounds like this movie needed an uncle Ben to tell them that with great power comes great responsibility. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It's, it was, it was interesting. I, I really feel like this could have worked super well as a serial, uh, a serialized, you know, uh, series here. Um, whereas like, I, I honestly think after reading that comment, wherever it was, shout out to whoever said that, like the Falcon and the Winter Soldier could be boiled down to like a two, two and a half hour movie. Yeah, and it would be easily. pretty good. Yeah. And it wouldn't be bad at all. Like, you know, there's just like a lot of fluff there. Whereas this one, you're like, we got to get all this shit in here. And we're also including Dane Whitman. And, you know, just because we need to get that ball rolling. And, and so it was interesting. It was it was like the first Marvel movie in a long time to not have someone else in it. You already knew. Yeah. Yeah, that is. uh that is very interesting and unexpected. I thought for sure that there would be at least a cameo from someone. Yeah, I mean, like, they mentioned some other people. Like, Kingo Kingo at some point says, like, yeah, Thor was a big fan of mine when I was younger, but now I can't even, like, get him to answer any phone calls or something. Mm. Like, they mentioned people, but there's no one in it that you really know. And that's not my problem with it at all. Like, I'm totally for, like, let's get some new characters from Marvel in here. It just wasn't where it needed to be, I think, yeah. uh, story-wise. And that's what really killed it for me because you have everything there to be great, and it just wasn't. That is unfortunate. It's unfortunate. I'm really curious to see what you think of it, though. Um, and I'm looking forward to watching it again. 
Um, definitely going to watch it a couple more times because I, I, I always battle with my expectations of it uh, the first time I watch yeah. it. But well, we will see. Well, you rated this movie one out of six Infinity Stones. I'm going to rate that retelling four out of six Infinity Stones. Ooh. I, I, yeah. Well, there you go. I enjoyed I enjoyed those parts of the story. Yeah, I mean, like going through and reading the story, I, I like I definitely have more of an appreciation for what was happening in the movie. Um, it's just I feel like there's so much in between, even in my explanation, that it's just not I, I did it's just skipped over. Yeah, like, like yeah. plot points and things that are just, you know, like, why are they even showing us this? Like some of these little threads like really had nothing to do with anything. Um it was it was it was interesting. I, I definitely need to watch again, but I, I think I'm going to hold strong and say I'm not going to go see this in theaters. Yeah. Uh, yeah again. Yeah. And, you know, I saw Avengers in theaters five times. I saw Captain Marvel in theaters six times. That's disgusting. You know, it's yeah. too many times. <laughs> I figure that that sentence alone will give you acid reflux right yeah. there. Um, this one, I, I don't think I can do it, I, though. I You know, honestly. In in the world of streaming, I've been having trouble going to theaters more than once. I saw James Bond twice because uh, I had no choice, and and my dad and I actually went to go see that for a second time, which nice. was great. Um, but uh, it's really hard for me. Like you know, I, I'm going to watch June again for a second time, but I'm watching it on HBO Max. Yeah, just yeah. that's all I need to do. I got subtitles, and I can pause that shit so I can actually go pee. Yep. You know, and, and that's what I need when a movie is two and a half <laughs> hours, which this one was two and a half hours too. So. Um, but yeah, the theater was packed and the theater has been packed all weekend by my house. Um, it took a long time to get out of the movie theater and wow. it took us a long time to get out of the parking structure, wow. which has never happened before by us. So people are going to see this movie and they were handing out, they handed us out. This was such a waste of trees. Um, it, they handed us a comic book that had Lego Eternals on the cover but the comic book was literally just covers of the first 12 issues of Eternals by Jack Kirby. <laughs> it was just the covers, the classic ones. Oh, I was like, what? It's a little weird. Everyone's just going to throw this out. Yeah. Like, is, you can't even read it. It's just a bunch of classic comic book covers, um, which reminded me of how cool some of the Eternals costumes are in the original comics and how lame they were in this movie. Yeah. So, um, Yeah. I think that is it, man. I think that's that's all my feelings on all of the Eternals. Well, I love it. So we will maybe we'll talk about it again once it comes out on Disney Plus. Just like we'll talk about Shang uh, Chi in a couple weeks here once uh, Eric and I are able to watch it again. Yeah, on, on Disney Plus. I'm excited. Thank goodness. Me too. That was a good one. I'm looking forward to seeing that again. All right, are we ready to jump over to recommendations? Oh yeah. All right. What do you got for us this week? All right, so I've been so since we've had a couple weeks off, I have a, a bunch of recommendations. Um, but I won't dwell on all of them. The big one I would say is obviously Dune. If you have HBO Max, um, watch Dune. It is very Star Wars ish, I would say. Um, the only thing I mentioned to, um. You, Tom, and and your brother Chris, uh, in a in a group chat that like I loved the movie. I I I really loved the movie, and the more time away from it, I think the more I like it even. But 
It is very difficult to get past. I, I hate the fact that it's like in this world with this ancient, uh, powerful religious order of exclusively women, and in this universe where the point of the story is a planet that seems to be inhabited by exclusively people of color. Thank God to save the day. We have a special snowflake, royal, rich, white man to infiltrate this order of exclusively powerful women and be the one to, after many thousands of years, to be the chosen one uh, because he's a man and and rich and royal and he's a super special snowflake <laughs> and uh yep. and that uh that annoys the shit out of me it's just uh i don't even know why like it's just uh it just felt like a weird cultural time for that kind of a story but despite that if you can look past that which i which i did um very compelling sci-fi movie I really loved it. I immediately started. So another recommendation, I read this book, Dark Matter, which was good. I liked it. I didn't love it, but I did like it. Um, It's kind of, it's also about multiverse fuckery as is everything currently. Um, It's good, but I, but I, I was excited to finish that. I immediately started reading Dune the book as well, which I'm, I'm excited to get through uh, because I love the movie so much. And that is on HBO Max and also in theaters. I obviously watched it in HBO Max on HBO Max. Um, But I would say that is a great one. And then uh, my, my last recommendation is if you are a video gamer, if you have a Nintendo switch, um metroid dread's pretty good i don't think i love it as much as everybody else seems to but it is a good uh metroid style game for sure if you're into those kind of games well worth a playthrough um and then i think that's all i have for like big recommendations i started playing resident evil 4 vr but i've not finished it but it is but i would recommend that i mean it is pants shittingly scary in VR for sure. Uh but yeah, that's uh that's what I got. Nice. Okay, I got I got one comment, one personal recommendation Ooh, for you okay. and the rest of the fans as well, and then a recommendation that's totally unrelated to anything media wise. All so, right. Um it, it, where are you at in the book right now, dude? Like I just started. I'm I'm on like the second okay. or third chain. I will. I agree with with the whole white savior thing and the whole prophecy of all that. I 100% agree. It's hard to get away from that since the book obviously centers around that quite a bit. The first two, especially. Um, uh, I do think there's some interesting stuff in the book that that reconciles some of that in some ways. Okay. Um, that I think you'll find interesting. Okay. Um, and I'll just say that for I'm not going to spoil anything for anybody, but I just think there is some interesting stuff there that helps me feel better about all of that in some nice. ways. Uh, we'll see if it does for, for you and everyone else. Um, a recommendation for you and anyone else that likes sci-fi books type stuff. Uh, highly recommend. Same guy that wrote Dark Matter. Ooh, okay. I think he I think he refined some of his some of his story writing a little bit and wrote another book called Recursion. Oh I've heard it's of very that. Very similar similar type of stuff. I'm just gonna read 
I'm just going to read a little snippet here. It says, reality is broken. At first, it looks like a disease, an epidemic that spreads through no known means, driving its victims mad with memories of a life they never lived. But the force that's sweeping the world is no pathogen. It's just the first shockwave unleashed by a stunning discovery. And what's in jeopardy is not our minds, but the very fabric of time itself. And so I'm just going to leave it at that. I think it's a very, very good book. Um, I read it very quickly. It is available on, on, on Amazon right now. Paperback, you can get it for $11.99. Super cheap. That's like 300 and some pages. Um, but if you like that kind of stuff, yeah. um, highly recommend you check that one out. It's it's a good quick read and very along the same lines as 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 Dark Matter. But I think I liked Recursion a little bit better because um, I just like that type of story, the kind of reality and multiverse kind of stuff find interesting so recursion by blake kraut nice um recommend that to you personally eric and anyone else that is interested in that kind of thing okay (laughs) this this was this is more of a random recommendation that kind of fell into my lap yesterday okay i have been using a battery powered leaf blower for the last seven years i have like a little black and decker one has a small little 40 volt battery and my two neighbors have these huge ass trees in front of their house, which is totally fine. They provide nice shade. It's great. But they drop a shit ton of leaves, and my blower is just not that good, I found out. And last year, my neighbor helped me with his because his is, like, really good. So I was looking up leaf blowers, and I use an Ego battery-powered lawnmower, yeah. right? And so I really like that. So I was looking at the Ego blowers, and there's two of them. And one is, like, 200 bucks. Or 180 bucks, one's like $300. And I was like, well, I need this one because it blows like 180 miles an hour. And I need one that can like blow these leaves. And I just need something that can do that. And But I didn't want to spend that much money. Yeah. Because uh, it's just a lot of money, yeah. right? So I'm in Ace Hardware buying some some Christmas lights or some shit for like 10 bucks. And then they're like, oh, today and tomorrow, you get 20% off for being an Ace Hardware Rewards member. And I was like, oh, okay. I walk out of the of the store and I'm like, oh, I should ask if if it works for the ego stuff. And in my head, I was like, no, they're not going to like, it'll be excluded. I sit down in my car and I'm like, God damn it. I get out of the car. Yeah. I go back in. I'm like, hey, are there exclusions? And they're like, just on the snowblowers. So I'm like, so I can get I can get a, a leaf blower from ego and I'll get 20% off. That's 60 fucking yeah. bucks on that thing. And she's like, yeah, for sure. And so I go home. I talk to my partner Mia, about it. I'm like, I feel like we need to do this. Because in, in our neighborhood, they you blow your leaves into the street and the city just picks oh, them up yeah. in bag. Yeah, that I, it's fucking I great. missed that about living in Ferndale. And so, long story short, I end up going to get it. I get it for 239 bucks or whatever, which is amazing. And so, it's late. It's like, it's only like 7.30, but it's dark now since it's winter, you know, kind of time. And um, I'm like, I'm just going to go try it out. This fucking leaf blower is mind-blowing. <laughs> Okay, my old one, I used to try and like blow leaves. It would take me hours to like get all the leaves where I needed them to be. This thing, I blew off my entire front lawn in five minutes. Holy shit. It has like a turbo mode that like this thing literally like the speed of it. It blows so fast. It is insane. And so, like, I, I, like, five minutes, I was just going to test it out for, like, 20 seconds. I blew off the entire lawn in five minutes. So, That's long amazing. story short, this shit saved me so much time. It was worth the 240 bucks, you know, and so getting the $60 off was totally worth it. It was amazing. 
Highly recommend it. It is the Ego Power Plus. It's the uh, the 650 model. I don't know whatever whatever that means, but it's basically a 56 volt lithium ion battery, um, and it blows 100 miles or 180 miles per hour. Um, 650 cubic cubic feet per minute is is the model for that one. But yeah, it's normally 300 bucks, so I got it for 240, and I'm so happy. Like I'm not usually like a huge like tool person, but like man, this thing. Just, I'm so happy. No, I love so happy. So highly recommend that shit. I love shit like that. I I felt that feels very similar to how I feel about uh, my Dyson vacuum. It's like one of those things. Like Dyson vacuums are so expensive, and like before I got one, I was just like, why would you, why would anybody ever fucking need a Dyson vacuum for this amount of money? And then you use it for five seconds, and you're like, I totally get it. <laughs> I totally yeah. fucking get it. Dude, I was just so worried that it like I was like going to be spending money that wouldn't be worth yeah. it, and it it just exceeded my expectations by That's so much. That's the best. I love it's it when right, that happens. Right after this podcast, I'm going to go blow some more leaves. <laughs> just, I love it. Just get them get them shits out of there. So I'm really really happy with it. So highly recommend it nice. if you're looking for something like that. Yeah, you shouldn't spend that long blowing leaves. Yes, it's really agreed. So. Agreed. Boom. That's it. Man, I love it. If you want to reach out to us, we are back at it at Infinity Rewatch on Twitter. Go check out my drawing on the back of a Chipotle napkin. That actually happened. Um, shoot us an email at the Infinity Watch Podcast at gmail.com and let us know how you're fucking the billionaires this fall season. Violently fuck the billionaires. Aggressive. <laughs> Aggressively. With prejudice. Very, very, very strong prejudice. Oh, fuck them. And that's a wrap, folks. We will be back at it uh, talking about Hawkeye in the upcoming weeks. And we got Hawkeye first two episodes coming out uh, on the 24th. So the week of Thanksgiving. Uh, followed by a third episode, fourth episode. Then Spider-Man No Way Home comes out the same week as episode five of Hawkeye. Then we got the last episode, which is episode six of that series. Um, and then basically that takes us to the end of the year. Um, and then we'll have a whole nother year full of Marvel shit to talk about. Oh, yeah. Bring it shit. out.